Hello, my Rebels. Today, I'm going to talk about Trudeau versus the New Brunswick Premier, Mr. Higgs, who says parents should be able to know if their kids are transitioning or whatnot. And Trudeau says, oh, no, you far-right racist. Well, the people have an opinion on that, too. I'll tell you what it is. But first, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of this podcast. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month. And not only do you get the daily video show and weekly one that Sheila does, but you get the satisfaction of knowing you're keeping Rebel News strong because we rely on that dough to pay our bills because we don't take any money from Trudeau, unlike 99% of the media. So we really rely on your eight bucks. Please go to rebelnewsplus.com. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, Justin Trudeau calls another mainstream premier far right. It's actually getting quite pitiful. It's June 15th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. You know, I think maybe something has changed. Look at this. This is Marco Mendocino the Minister of Public Safety in the Trudeau government, in eight years of Trudeau government, I have never seen the mainstream media scrum a liberal cabinet minister in this way. Never. Have you? Just watch. How is it credible that all of the most senior staff who are paid for by taxpayers and government and the PCO and the Prime Minister's office and your office knew, but somehow you and the Prime Minister were only told after the fact? How is that in any way credible to the average person who goes to their job and does their job every day? Okay, first of all, uh, let's all take a breath. Uh, and I want to be responsive to your questions. What I said was is that I would be coming down to take more questions uh, in this afternoon. But you said what that I would say, and then you didn't your office. We waited I, for yeah. five hours for you yesterday. Right right what I well, I'm here right now, and I will be here again, absolument, tout à fait. But I agree with you that there uh, is a challenge there, which is why we have taken steps to address that through corrective actions internally, as well as uh, by uh, making sure that the CSE works very closely with victims' families going forward. Why didn't your staff tell you? Why didn't? Is it standard operating procedure at your office that you are kept in the dark? And will you let anyone go in response to the handling of this? Of course not. And you know, my job as the Minister of Public Safety is to make sure that we are identifying issues where there uh, are challenges on information flow. And so what I have done in each and every one of these cases is to be responsive to those challenges by issuing ministerial directives to clarify so that we are strengthening our ability to get the information that we need. So that has been done certainly in the case of Bernardo through the issuing of a, of a new ministerial directive. As far as uh, internal uh, matters, I've dealt with it. What is that? What does that mean? Why can you just Minister, what is the explanation? If it's not to keep you in the dark, what's the explanation? So, again, uh, I can not answer all of the questions when they're coming at the same time. So why didn't your staff tell you? What's the explanation? What was the explanation from your staff as to why they didn't tell you? The short answer is it is unacceptable. Uh, And my job is to make sure that it doesn't happen again. 
And That's the way not to do answering that, the question. Why did it happen in the first place? It's not your first day in the cabinet, right? You're many years in the cabinet. It's not a new... So, Bernardo going back to maximum security So, I'm going to come back to that question, but first, what's important is that uh, these issues are identified and they're corrected. And so that is what I have done with my team to be sure that there is uh, no further breakdown in information flow. It is important that I get those, uh, those briefings in a timely manner. That is made abundantly clear. More importantly than that, uh, back to the question that was posed, uh, I believe that uh, the decision to transfer Paul Bernardo to a medium security institution does not uh, sit well with Canadians because it is in the front to the victims, in particular of Leslie Mahaffey and Kristen French, and that is why we are going to support them. We're going to make sure that victims' uh, rights are at the center of these decisions and that going forward, victims are notified in a timely manner before those decisions are taken. So will he be moved back? Have you ever seen that before? I mean, running and shouting. I mean, Mendocino is particularly goofy. He skipped a press briefing yesterday, so the press were hungry. He's been caught in so many lies. He's become a bit of a joke and a bit of a scapegoat uh, for Trudeau, to be honest. But still, have you ever seen the regime media, the media party, act this way with anyone in Trudeau's government in the eight years since Trudeau took office? I have not. Maybe that's what it's like when literally 81% of the population thinks the government has overstayed its welcome. Oh, don't get me wrong. Every single one of those journalists is still going to vote liberal on election day, of course. They would never bring themselves to vote for the conservatives, never. It's a matter of taste and class and tribe for them. But by the same token, they're, they're done pretending that everything's fine with Trudeau. So what do liberals do when they're in trouble as they are? Well, one thing is to talk about abortion and about how the evil conservatives are going to force every woman in Canada to get pregnant and go back into the kitchen and barefoot and whatever. You know the drill. Uh, here's the latest example from yesterday. Later today, our House of Commons will vote on the conservatives' latest attempt to reopen the abortion debate in Canada. Pierre Polyev's decision to fast-track this bill shows where his priorities lie. Okay, take a look at the video. The Conservatives are accelerating their efforts to reopen the abortion debate here in Canada. While we were originally scheduled to debate a Conservative private member's bill um, proposing a tax credit for medical treatment this evening, the Conservatives made a last-minute change. Apparently, discussing abortion was of a greater priority to them. And so we will be debating Bill C-311 this evening. Um, one of two things, either Pierre Polyevre is uh, pushing to have um, this debate, which reopens the question of abortion here in Canada this evening, or he has no control over his caucus members. Perhaps it is uh, because he has um, an interest in, in supporting uh, his self-described um, 100% pro-life candidate in Portage Lisgar. Uh, I know that the by-election date uh, of Monday is coming up quickly and that the Conservatives are uh, making all attempts in order to attract their anti-choice voters there. One thing is certainly clear. Bill C-311 proposed by the Conservatives is yet another in a series of transparent attempts in order to um, give legal status uh, to a fetus here in Canada. But look at this new feature on Twitter that I really like. Ordinary people can correct liars on Twitter. It's called a community note. And look at this. 
Bill C-311 is an act to amend the criminal code, Violence Against Pregnant Women. Abortion is not mentioned or implied anywhere in Bill C-311. <laughs> so it's a weird lie, but again, anything to frighten people back into voting liberal. And that works a bit, to be sure, don't kid yourself, but the go-to for the liberals is really to call names in general, far-right, racist, the new one is transphobe. Uh, it's what they did to the truckers, it's the default for conservatives, but usually, I, th I think I'm right here, Usually Trudeau saves that insult for people who aren't actually in power, in the center power, in the establishment. He says it about journalists he doesn't like or opposition politicians he doesn't like. But he generally, for example, wouldn't say it about sitting provincial premiers. Even Danielle Smith, who is quite libertarian and freedom-oriented, because Trudeau knows he has to work with those premiers fairly collegially, and he will want their cooperation on some matters at some point in time. He doesn't want premiers whipping up their own provinces and others against him po politically, in the media, or even in court. He wants pacified premiers. Maybe I missed it, but I don't think Trudeau has actually shot any rhetorical cannonballs against Alberta's Danielle Smith. Do you recall any? I can't without really doing a deep search. In fact, I think he sort of absorbed her criticisms without replying in kind, as in she threw some shots at him and he didn't shoot back, which, by the way, is smart because if Trudeau had attacked her, she would have immediately got an extra 5% on election day. I'm sure of it. Trudeau attacking an Alberta politician is a guarantee for that politician to win. But look at this. Blaine Higgs is the premier of New Brunswick. I'm going to read now from the Toronto Star, but this is actually written by a Canadian press. It's a wire story that was published in many places. Here it is in the Star's version, but like I say, it's the same everywhere. Higgs is pushing cha changes to sexual orientation policy in schools, known as Policy 713, that would force, force children under 16 to get parental consent to change their names or pronouns at school. The previous version of the three-year-old policy required teachers to get a student's informed consent before discussing names and their pronouns with their parents and was meant to make schools inclusive and safe for LGBTQ children. I love the language there. It would force young children to get parental consent. A child's informed consent. That's the thing, though. A child can't consent to many things in life. That's why children can't get tattoos. That's why they can't be bound by many contracts. That's why we have a law called statutory rape or age of consent. You cannot have sex with a minor. Even if they say they consent, they can't. That's the source of the old saying, taking candy from a baby. Because children of tender years cannot consent and they're easy to manipulate. And if they say they consent, well, they're just being manipulated. That's why we protect children. That's what's going on here. If parents are not shaping their own young children, then someone else is shaping them, and whoever is telling students to keep secrets from their own parents is likely the manipulator, duh. It's fascinating to watch this showdown. Of course, the left-wing opposition is appalled by the idea of putting parents in charge of their children. They support the communist idea, shared by Stalin and Mao, that children are the property of the state. 
On Thursday, eight progressive conservative members, including six cabinet ministers, sat out question period and other legislative business to protest the changes, which are set to come into effect July 1. Hmm. Wow. So even some of Higgs' own cabinet. In a statement, they expressed, quote, extreme disappointment in a lack of process and transparency in the policies review. Got it. So they want process and they want transparency, but parents can't ask for process and certainly not for transparency. And of course, Justin Trudeau jumped in, demonizing Higgs, a sitting premier, as far right. What a laugh. Later that evening, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau spoke at a fundraiser for the LGBTQ charity Rainbow Railroad in Toronto, saying, quote, trans kids need to feel safe, not targeted by politicians. We're seeing that angry, hateful rhetoric rise on our continent, particularly targeting trans people, he said. Far-right political actors are trying to outdo themselves with the types of cruelty and isolation they can inflict on these already vulnerable people. Right now, trans kids in New Brunswick are being told they don't have the right to be their true selves, that they need to ask permission. Children cannot decide things for themselves. That's why we call them children. And teachers are legally, the, the word is in Latin, in loco parentis, in the place of parents. They're parents' agents. They're not the actual parents. They must do what the parents would want them to do, would allow them to do. That's the contract. That's the agreement. They are not the deciders. They are the agents, the temporary agents for the parents who remain the deciders. They are not the property of the state. Oh, but this is turning into a showdown, isn't it? Except it turns out that quite a few Canadians are far-right. Here's a poll. It's published a lot of places in the National Post. Majority side with New Brunswick Premier on gender identity source poll, 57% agree schools should have to tell parents about their child's desire to change their gender or pronouns. Oh, and their name too, by the way. Imagine telling parents that their kids can change their name. Ottawa, a national poll suggests that 57% agree with schools that schools should have to tell parents about their children's desire to change their gender or pronouns. Meanwhile, less than a fifth, 18%, feel schools shouldn't tell parents. So even most liberals, most progressives think it's really creepy to keep sexual matters a secret from the parents of young children. Trudeau is on the wrong side of this. No wonder he's so sensitive to questions about why he left that Vancouver school where he was teaching. Remember, he left suddenly mid-semester so many years ago. Trudeau's pretty sensitive to this. Here's Pierre Polyev. Yes, Mr. Speaker, I was a high school teacher before getting into politics, and I'm having a little trouble remembering what exactly the job that the leader of the opposition had before getting into politics. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, we have a plan to fight climate change. We have a plan to continue to move forward on supporting Canadians with a grocery rebate, with a growing economy, with great middle-class jobs. Uh, we're delivering health care supports for Canadians from coast to coast to coast, delivering dental care that has helped 300,000 kids uh, access dental care over the past number of months, including 1,100 in his own writing. Uh, Mr. Speaker, we will continue to be there for Canadians. Honourable Leader of the Opposition. Yes, and uh, yes, and he left right in the middle of the semester, and I'm having trouble remembering why. Oh! Now, Mr. Speaker. He certainly was not a math teacher. 
yeah, the media hated that. And they never asked Trudeau why he left school mid-semester that year as teacher. Hmm. Uh, Higgs doesn't seem to be backing down, which is a miracle. And I wonder how long he'll hold out. <laughs> Look at him tweeting. Susan Holt, that's the liberal leader there, and Justin Trudeau don't believe parents need to be involved in such critical discussions as gender identity, even in children as young as four. In New Brunswick, we'll have a safe learning environment and better mental health supports while still respecting the parents' role. That sounds pretty balanced to me. Oh, but the media is furious with him. Here's global news. New Brunswick Premier doubling down on LGBTQ2 policy changes in Trudeau's social media attack, and the CBC can't believe it. He can't actually mean this. Who wrote his tweet? This is not normal. <laughs> Look at this strange story uh, in the CBC. Higgs' attack on Trudeau and Holt bear hallmark of NB Premier's new social media guru, Oh, really? So it, it's not him. Derek Robinson worked on 2019 campaign to unseat prairie liberals, citing threat of Western separatism. Yeah, if you support New Brunswick parents, you must be a Western separatist secret agent. Desperate much, CBC? But here's what's interesting. There are lots of skirmishes going on in the legislature in New Brunswick. I think they were even voting on various amendments as recently as today. But would the Liberal Party of New Brunswick and would those dissident mutinying PCs, including the six cabinet ministers, would they actually vote no confidence on this? Would they actually want to have an election in New Brunswick, a fairly conservative place, at least socially speaking, on whether this kind of gender extremism in school can exist without a heads up to, to parents? Would you really go to the polls on this? Well, the media and the liberals are a little bit nervous let me quote another CBC story. I, I got a kick out of this one. PC rebels, liberal opposition, seem unsure how to push Higgs on policy 713. Ministers who broke ranks won't force the issue. Holt, that's the liberal, uncertain if non-confidence vote would have any effect. Oh, it would have an effect, sister. You'd bring down the government. Don't you care? I really like this story. Let me quote. I'm going to read a few paragraphs. The uprising against Premier Blaine Higgs last week over policy 713 was a very New Brunswick rebellion. There was that remarkable expression of extreme disappointment by eight progressive conservative MLAs, including six cabinet ministers who refused to take their seats Thursday morning. But there was no firm, sustained pressure to force the premier to back down or quit. The opposition liberals, meanwhile, seemed unsure how to leverage the turmoil to inflict maximum damage on Higgs or compel him to reverse course. It's probably a symptom of decades of top-down, leader-driven party-line governance that elected members of the legislature are so uncertain of the powers they have and the best way to use them. Really? You think that's what it is? Or really do you, do you think that they know that they will be crushed by voters if they get their way? Quote, obviously, it was certainly breaking the conventions of the British parliamentary system, Higgs said last week in question period of the statement by six ministers and two backbench MLAs, ministers Dorothy Shepard, Trevor Holder, Alan Alland, Daniel Land, Arlene Dunn, Jeff Carr, Jeff, Jill Green, and backbenchers Ross Wetmore and Andrea Anderson-Mason said in a statement last Thursday morning they refrained from participating in routine business in question period as a way to express their extreme disappointment in a lack of process and transparency. <laughs> the premier was right. Normally, ministers who disagree with the government policy resign. But the six ministers breaking ranks last week identified themselves as members of caucus. 
trying to distinguish between the cabinet jobs and their roles as ordinary MLAs who have more leeway to disagree. Really? I think they're just cowards who know that they don't represent the people of New Brunswick. I mean, of course they don't want to quit as cabinet ministers. They like the money, they like the power and the prestige. But if they quit, it's likely they will trigger an election. Do you really think that any province in this country would vote in a general election where this was the central issue, would vote for the kind of gender extremism we've seen in schools lately? And by that, I mean the extremism targeting the children, saying change your sex, get surgery, get puberty blockers, that crazy stuff that's exploded in the public square in only recent years that none of us voted for. You know, I really wish they would quit and force an election. Or maybe the premier himself should call their bluff and go to an emergency election on this subject, get a record majority. Let's put it to the people in a public campaign. Let's have Justin Trudeau come to town to campaign in New Brunswick. Let's have the party say what their views are clearly, and then let's vote. Or, or maybe Higgs isn't far right. Maybe he's just right. And maybe Trudeau and the Higgs mutineers know it. Stay with us for more. Gone, 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 she's been gone so long, she's been gone, gone, gone so long. Gone, 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 she's been gone so long, she's been gone, gone, gone so long. Gone, 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 she's been gone so long. Well, that's an oldie but a goodie. That is Gone So Long by Chilliwack, a cover by a funny band from SCTV. I don't know if you can recognize those faces. That's got to be 40 years ago. Rick Moranis, Eugene Levy, and the late John Candy singing Gone So Long. And as I drive around Toronto, Canada's largest city, which is in the middle of an unscheduled mayor's election because John Tory was caught philandering with an aide half his age, and so the city's leadership was thrown into turmoil, there are more than 100 candidates for mayor. How do you even know who's who and who to vote for? Well, Mr. Gong, Gong Xiaohua is his Chinese name, he goes by Edward Gong, has signs everywhere. Now, polls suggest that another Chinese-Canadian, Olivia Chow, is set to win. She is a double-digit lead over her next competitor. And again, when you have over 100 candidates, uh, really, it's divided up into small segments. But there is no doubt that everyone in this city knows that Edward Gong is running. There must be 100,000 signs up expensive ads, huge billboards. So the question has to be asked, who is Edward Gong? Where does he get his money from? And are there any interesting political connections? Well, joining us now to talk about this is our Chinese affairs correspondent, our friend Andy Lee, who has written a new article for Rebel News. The headline is, in a heated mayoral race, one Chinese candidate with mysterious background and ties to Justin Trudeau is being overlooked. Andy, great to see you. Another very well-researched article. What a delight to have you on our website. Andy, who is Edward Gong? That's a, that's a loaded question. <laughs> he's, he's fascinating as, as a character. So Edward Gong is a 
uh, Chinese Canadian, uh, you know, he immigrated here in 2002. He set up uh, two two media stations. One's called CNTV, that's Can uh, um, Canada National Television, and then there's another network called the Canadian National Chinese Television Network. So um, Edward Gong is he's just fascinating his story. Um, so he uh, was best known for, of course, attending these pay-for-play fundraisers with Justin Trudeau. Uh, back in 2016, he's a heavy liberal donor. I believe he's donated um, almost $7,000 plus attending these pay-for-play fundraisers. So that's sort of when he came into the spotlight. But, um, and, you know, we were sort of led to believe that these pay-for-play fundraisers were a, a passing relationship, right? Like these people just happened to show up at a fundraiser with Justin Trudeau. But it, when you start to dig into the backstory, it looks like there was deeper connections. And I did dig into the backstory a little bit. And so I found, um, you know, that Edward Gong has been hosting these festivals and, and um, you know, his guest of honor um, was, was Justin Trudeau one year. Uh, and he's also got, uh, you know, a website, and Justin Trudeau is featured prominently on it, um, and also has connections to, or has plugged at least, uh, Gang Tan. So Edward ran afoul of law agencies um, shortly after, you know, these uh, these meetings with Liberal MPs and, and Justin Trudeau, and he ended up being charged. Uh, with some very serious allegations, fraud, money laundering, etc. Um, he was also had assets forfeited uh, in New Zealand. So he was accused of running a, a massive pyramid scheme and defrauding uh, investors in Canada and, and China and elsewhere out of hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, so this was New Zealand's biggest ever um, bust and, and seizure of the proceeds of crime. It was over $60 million that he forfeited to the New Zealand government. Um, but the story doesn't end there because for whatever reason, Gang Tan, and we know that Gang Tan is, has been, you know, tied to Chinese diplomats and things like that. Um, Gang Tan, for whatever reason, before these charges, went to Beijing and apparently hand delivered a document, you know, to, to the embassy there, um, vouching for Edward and saying that Edward was aware that, um, you know, there were some issues and he wanted to cooperate with authorities. Well, that letter ended up getting forwarded to the RCMP, but there's really no good explanation as to why Gang Tan was acting as his uh, intermediary. What right. he was Now, Gang Tan, that's a liberal MP, right? Yes, that's he's a, a liberal So a Trudeau MP, MP is going to bat for Edward uh, Gong, including delivering messages to the Chinese embassy. What you I mean they raise a good point. What's that got to do with anything? If he's in trouble for securities fraud in New Zealand or in the United States or even in Canada, why does the Chinese government need to get involved? That's weird. Well, I mean, you know, like I said, we have an embassy in Ottawa, um, and the letter ended up being forwarded to the RCMP. So, uh, and it, it's very, very murky as to why Gang was was involved at all. But it does speak to the fact that obviously, you know, these politicians had deeper ties to this uh, controversial mayor candidate than they let on, and, and they have attended other events. Um, and, you know, Edward has got very, very close ties too. So, I mean, this was all covered, maybe not 
um, as thoroughly as it should have been before. But things that are new that I did find, um, you know, looking into his website and, and these media stations that he ran. Um, so, you know, he featured Justin Trudeau and, and you know, did the liberal plugs and, and things like that at his galas, um, you know, and, and sort of showcase these, these candidates in the Liberal Party of Canada. But this was done in direct collaboration with with Chinese officials. So his uh, his media station was actually, um, you know, visited by sort of the the Chinese equivalent we can say of the CRTC. Hmm. Um, so they did visit his media station, inspected it, um, you know, um, you know, endorsed it, if you will. Um, so you know, it, it, this media station was set up in, in direct collaboration with with the Chinese government. So I mean, these are the kind of activities that you have to say, geez, is this really on board, you know, we've we've got Chinese state government officials, and that's not the only um, you know ministry that was involved. There were many many ministries. The Ministry of Culture used to run these spring galas, these over, uh, overseas spring galas. It's now a dissolved um, um, uh, um, sorry um, institution. But so there was um, thirteen different ministries involved, um, you know, in these um, these these events where liberal candidates were showcased and, and broadcast, um, you know, to people who largely uh, consume Chinese language media. So, I mean, you know, this is just the kind of things where you're like, hmm. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden I see this name on every street. Like he must have an army, volunteer or paid, I don't know which. But of course, you, you know, lawn signs aren't free. He's, I don't know if there are campaign spending limits. There's got to be. But there's no way he's not into the millions. Look, I don't think he's going to win. Like I say, there's over 100 candidates. And Olivia Chow, by the way, is looks like she's going to run away with the thing. There are a couple of conservatives on the ballot. I don't think that you can pour $5 million bucks into a mayor's race and win it if you're not well-known in the community. But I suppose if he's got a couple of Chinese-language TV stations... Maybe he's got some base of support that I simply don't know about it because I'm not watching his TV stations. And if he has the official green light from communist China, I mean, I didn't know that his TV stations were vetted by China's regulator. That's just really weird. It feels a little bit like those Chinese police stations here. We have Canadian police stations. We don't need Chinese police. We have a Canadian CRTC. What's the Chinese CRTC doing reviewing him? So... I, you know, and I know that you reached out to him for comment. I'm really glad you did. I understand he hasn't gotten back to us yet. I doubt he will. I think he feels like part of the Chinese influence machine. Friends with Trudeau, friends with other liberal MPs, connections back in China, messages going back and forth to China, tons of cash sloshing around, tens of millions of dollars in fines and forfeitures, close relationship with the Chinese Communist Party. And now he wants to be mayor of Toronto. It seems to fit a pattern. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I call these media outlets sort of satellite stations. I, I look at them as a, an extension of, you know, the PRC's uh, Ministry of Propaganda. And, you know, that was one of the, the ministries that sort of visited his, uh, you know, his station and, and, and had a look at it and helped organize these spring festivals where Justin Trudeau was the guest of honor. So, yeah, I mean, I do consider them an extension of, of foreign influence operations, um, you know, and, and we know that Justin Trudeau was very, very keen to cap those sort of 
um, you know, those sort of outlets um, to, you know, gain favor in the community. It was also during a time when he was looking at free trade agreements. This is when we signed on to the now disastrous AAIB. Actually, I, I should correct myself. It was always disastrous. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to do a show on that, but it's become even more disastrous than than what we formerly knew. Um, so, you know, he was very, very happy to tap all of these things. And these are the sort of things that we have to go back and start scrutinizing. So, yeah, I'm going to look more into this, this, this station. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a very, very curious, I mean, only in Canada can you you know, you have millions and, and tens of millions of assets seized, um, you know, by other governments, by the government of New Zealand and and run for Canada. I mean, we really are the land of, of unlimited opportunity. Um, and so it, it is interesting, though, because, you know, although it seems like he had a very cozy relationship prior with, you know, um, several, you know, high ranking uh, officials and things like that within various Chinese ministries. Um, now he's come out and uh, well, after Gang Tan delivered this this letter, for whatever reason, even though those assets were seized as and declared proceeds of crime, um, he actually had all the charges against him in Canada dropped, hmm. which is really weird. Very interesting. Um, I mean, that's an awful lot of smoke for there to be absolutely no fire at all. Yeah. Um, We have to wonder if Gang Tan was, you know, running off to Beijing saying, hey, can we maybe smooth things out for this guy? He's our our pal, right? Um, Very, very curious because his counterparts, people who were involved in this pyramid scheme, um, were charged both in China, and we can't give a huge amount of, of you know, weight, I think, to um, criminal proceedings that go on in China. We, we do have to you know, view them with a little bit of skepticism. Sometimes people do run afoul of the regime for whatever reason and you know, find themselves under some very suspicious prosecution charges and things like that. But his counterparts in New Zealand were charged. So, but he managed to get off pretty much scot-free. And in an interesting turn of events, um, you know, he's now suing the Ontario Securities Commission Hmm. um, for collaborating with Chinese state authorities on this massive investigation. So his his confession was um, coerced, and he's now accusing, you know, the Ontario Security Commission of collaborating with a known human rights abuser, how he put it, to... Um, you know, incorrectly prosecute him. So fascinating and very interesting verbiage from somebody who is a known and did collaborate with that very same human rights abuser. Isn't that um, such a tangled web? Incredible. Well, I state again that Edward Gong is welcome to have a platform here if he wants to explain some of these intrigues Uh I'm really curious why he would have his TV stations here vetted by the Chinese broadcast regulator. I do like his signs, you know, vote gong. He says he's here to rescue Toronto, which is maybe a little bit of a messiah complex. We need rescuing, Andy. I don't know if he's the guy to do it. I just got to say, Andy, it's been such a delight to read your deeply researched uh, reports. And... You know, you and I have strong opinions on these things, but at the end of the day, it's the facts underneath it that are important. And your research, I just want to recommend to all our viewers, read these stories and all the important links. You can click on them to see the underlying document. And that's just great journalism. And it's nice to see you again. I can hardly wait till your next installment on the China Files. Yeah, thanks. I'll, I'll probably look more at this AAIB saga, but like I said, this is just, you know, we're just 
at the you know scratching the surface of of what's going on i'm really really glad that this has been brought uh to, to the forefront by some great reporting done um like i said a lot of this some of this was already um you know um, ground that was laid out before me, but I do think it's worth, um, in light of all the the recent allegations, going back and re-examining because, like I said, I'm able to find new information, right? Like this wasn't just a passing relationship right. between Edward and Justin Trudeau, right? They they're on video partying together, um, so you know, uh, and you know, Justin Trudeau said that he wasn't aware of of Gang Tan's activities and um, why Gang Tan was was in Beijing, uh, you know. So you know, worth, and I'm going to and. And, you know, I go and I look on, on Edward's website and, well, there's, you know, stuff that's sort of plugging Gang Tian. So obviously there, you know, they had a relationship and it was a little bit deeper than I think what we've been led to to believe. So I'm trying to go back and paw through and comb through some of the stuff and and, and bring new interesting details to light that, that might yeah. be useful. Well, you're doing a great job. And what you mentioned a moment ago, the AIIB, the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, Oh, there's scandals to come there. Over $100 million of Canadian taxpayers' money given to a Chinese development bank. And Canada just couldn't have been happier to shovel our dough to China. Canada, a, a, a modest economy shoveling dough to the world's largest economy. Just incredible. So much to come on that. Eddie, great to see you. Keep up the great work. Yeah, until next time, I'm going to get writing. And um, I do think I have some some new information or stuff that hasn't been brought up before about our, our um, the Asian uh, Infrastructure Investment Bank and how that all went down and, and why we signed on. I, I have a feeling that there was some uh, serious lobbying going on behind the scenes and uh, some some pressure was put on to, to Freeland to execute that, that deal. So, yeah, so I'm going to work on getting that out. Uh, and until next time. Right on. Thanks for your great work. There you have it. Andy Lee, she writes the China Files for us on covering Chinese affairs. Stay with us. More head. Hey, welcome back. Your letters. Citizen Jerry says, greetings from America's flyover country. I enjoyed your recent interview with Ben Weingarten. Sadly, America currently has a government that hates the country as it was founded and also hates any conservative that has the audacity to challenge their impossible socialist utopia. Trump is right in saying the left isn't going after him. They're going after us, and he just got in the way. Any other Republican presidential candidate will get the same treatment. You know, you're right. I remember when Mitt Romney was the Republican candidate, and Mitt Romney is the most milquetoast, easy-peasy, inoffensive uh, candidate imaginable. He's such a goody two-shoes. There's nothing offensive about him, but that didn't stop. They made things up. They made up stories. They exaggerated things. They hated him and destroyed him, not because he was a bad person. He was probably the most saintly candidate the Republicans have ever fielded, just in terms of his moral character and his personal life. I think his politics are wrong, but put that aside. Uh, they destroyed him anyways. And they'll find something to destroy you. That's what they do. Uh, you may be right. Trump, for all his flaws, may be the only candidate brutal enough to fight back and win. Peter Story says, a Canadian would have to be an idiot to vote for a Liberal or NDP next federal election, considering what has happened over the last few years in Canada. This is cause for concern. Well, um, you saw that poll, and take it with a grain of salt, but some people are ready to vote for anyone but Trudeau, but others are a little bit nervous, and I think you'll see the absolute demonization of Pierre Polyev to try and scare those voters back. 
DTEC22 says, thank you for this interview, Ezra, and thanks to Lawrence for all he does. You're talking about Lawrence Fox. He's an interesting character. I like his style. I don't think he's going to win the by-election in Uxbridge, but uh, he's a plain-talking guy, isn't he? And he's, he's well-known in the UK. He comes from an acting family. He's got a bit of journalism, a bit of activism, a bit of politicking. I like the guy. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. And keep fighting for freedom. Mm-hmm.